Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. Thank you for being in worship with us this morning. It's a joy to be here. Today we will ordain and install 15 elders to serve as the leaders of Roswell Presbyterian Church. They've gone through a period of training so they do know what they're in for um, and they'll lead us for the next several years. We are so blessed to have phenomenal leadership here at RPC. Next week we're going to begin our summer sermon series, Walk on the Wild Side. I asked our children's and family ministry to kind of brainstorm ideas that we could use for the summer sermon series, and they came up with such a great idea. We're going to look at stories in Scripture that have animals in them. And I thought that was appropriate since many of us are spending more time than ever with our pets. Uh, I think it would be kind of fun to look at these animal stories in the Bible. Today is Pentecost, Pentecost, when we celebrate God's coming among us as the Holy Spirit. Presbyterians don't often talk that much about the Holy Spirit, so today we're going to look at a powerful text and see the transformation of a group of individuals into the church. How does that transformation happen? Well, I think it happens the same way for us now as it did for them back then. It's through the power and working of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this great story from Acts 2 as God sends the Holy Spirit upon his people. Listen for the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness." the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this powerful text from Acts. We ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that this same spirit that you sent on those early Christians might be sent upon us, that we might feel the power and transformation of what it means to be inhabited and, and joined together in a community of faith by the Holy Spirit. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever noticed the first question that people ask the first Christians? Our scripture picks up in the second chapter of Acts. Jesus has died and risen from the dead. He appears to his disciples and spends time with them over a 40-day period. And eventually he ascends to heaven. He tells his followers, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And so that's where they go. They, they go to Jerusalem. And when they were all together in one place, the text says, the Spirit descends upon them. They see tongues of fire over each other's head and they begin speaking in other languages. People hear the gospel. They hear the good news in their own language. It's a miracle and God is with them. This collection of individuals has become a community. The church is now the church. The first Christians are filled with the power of the Spirit. God's Spirit has been sent upon them. They've become a community of faith, drawn together in love and fellowship. They're being prepared to be sent out to be Christ's witnesses all throughout the earth. The church has become the church. And the first question, the first question of all time, the first question the Christian church is asked is, are you guys drunk? These, these guys must have been drinking new wine. As the scripture said in verse 13, others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. These guys are crazy. They must have gotten into the rabbi's cough syrup. The early church has been filled with the power of the Spirit. And it's about to become a world-changing, world-transforming movement. And the first thing people think is, they have got to be drunk. <laughs> I want to write a, a book with the title, How to Grow a Church According to Scripture act like you're drunk. <laughs> but I think there's something to this. Every church, every Christian, every person who has experienced God's presence in their lives should exhibit a little bit of crazy. In other words, crazy Christian is a redundancy. In response to people suggesting that they might be drunk, Peter stands up and quotes from the prophet Joel. Joel had been dead 500 years, but Peter draws from Joel's words and says, We are living in the last days. In the last days it will be that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter says, No, we're not drunk. And here's why. We are living in the last days. This is why we have all this apocalyptic imagery, fire, portents, and smoky mist. It signifies that we have entered a new time in human history. A biblical view of history goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the world. Then the first humans sinned, distorted, and disfigured God's good creation. And the turning point of history comes as God sends His only Son, Jesus, to earth. And with Christ's death, life, and His resurrection, God defeats and extinguishes the power of sin and death. And these are the last days now. They're the last days until the final day. The end of the story will come when Jesus 
comes in consummation for his final victory to set the world fully right. Peter says, you know what we've been waiting for all this time? Well, it's here. We are now living in the last days. You see, Jesus' resurrection is a sign and a foretaste of the future, of the final end. Jesus' resurrection gives us a view, a picture, a preview of the end of the story. The presence of the Holy Spirit with us now is God's future looking into our present moment. The Holy Spirit is God's future looking into our present moment. Let me give you an example of how this works. A friend of mine has a daughter who loves to read. And she's always trying to stay up later than she should. And she's, you know, under her covers with the flashlight on. And so her father tries to really be um, disciplined about making sure she gets to bed on time. So one night, tells her to go to bed. She says, but Dad, I'm not finished reading. He says, okay, I'm going to give you five minutes, but then it's lights out. Well, five minutes later, he, he goes upstairs and he sees that she's already turned out the lights. She's already in bed. And he was a little curious about this. And he says, honey, I... Thanks a lot for turning off the lights. Thanks for getting into bed. I'm, I'm kind of surprised though, because I, I, I thought you had a lot more of the book to read. And she says, oh, dad, I just skipped and read the ending. Now I can go to sleep. <laughs> because she knew the ending, she could be at peace. She could rest. She knew the end of the story. She didn't need to be filled with anxiety or worry. And Peter says that the resurrection of Jesus has shown us the end of the story. And we are just living out the rest of the pages of the story. And so Peter says that because of Christ, we can know the ending. And because we know the ending of the story, that changes how we live our lives today. The question is, do we recognize the times we're living in? Do we see ourselves living in the last days? Peter says the Holy Spirit shows us, reminds us that we are living in the last days. Peter says, Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. Here, I think, we see two consequences of the Holy Spirit's transforming presence among us. First, we see a radical unity amidst diversity. We see a radical unity amidst diversity. The people who speak in different languages all hear the same message. In their diversity, they hear the unity of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. God undoes what occurred in Genesis 11. Genesis 11 tells the story of the the Tower of Babel. In the beginning, the people all over the earth speak one language. And eventually they say, let us make a name for ourselves. They have this impulse for pride. And so how are they going to do this? They decide they will build a tower to the heavens. But God throws them into confusion by giving them different languages. And they are scattered upon the face of the earth. They are scattered because they wanted to make their name great by building a tall tower. God confuses their language. And at Babel, we see this timeless human story of human pride to make our name great. And God throws them into confusion. But then in Acts 2, we see the exact opposite. We see the undoing of what happened in Babel. 
We see that the Holy Spirit is, comes upon a diverse people and they find unity in the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. We are freed from aspiring to make our name great and we're set free to make God's name great. We get to share what God has done in Jesus Christ. Unity amidst diversity. Are you crazy? Yes, we are a little. <laughs> and the second consequence is this. It answers the question, who is now included in the work of ministry? Who's included in the good news of the gospel? Who's, who's called to share this good news? Did you catch it? Peter, quoting Joel, says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. The point to the second consequence of the Holy Spirit's presence is everyone is included in ministry, young and old, men and women. This is important. Many of our brothers and sisters have missed the point. Many Christian churches restrict the full gifts of ministry to men alone. I believe they've failed to understand the full impact of the Holy Spirit's presence among us, about what God has done in the last days. Have you ever wondered about why and where the hierarchy between men and women came from? Well, you have to go back to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve were created and living in the Garden of Eden as full equals, living in full, loving freedom. They didn't even need any clothes. But they were told not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they disobey God and they eat from it. And God finds them hiding in the garden. And as a consequence of their disobedience, God says to the woman, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. The hierarchy between genders comes as a consequence of the fall, and that's bad news. But guess what? I've got good news for you. What did Jesus' life, death, and resurrection accomplish? Jesus undid the consequences of the fall. We are now free. We're free to live as equals, ministering to and with one another. We're living in a post-resurrection world. We're living in the last days. The Holy Spirit makes ministry possible for all of us. And so men and women are invited into egalitarian, mutually loving relationships to serve alongside one another. This is one of the reasons, as a part of our elder class, we have a youth elder. We want to lift up that both older and younger people are called to the work of ministry. This is one of the reasons the early church exploded in growth. Everyone was included. Everyone found their identity. They found their, their meaning, their purpose. They could serve. We are living in the time of the Holy Spirit, the last days. Are you crazy? Yes. <laughs> in the spirit of Jesus Christ, we become a new community where everyone is included in the work of ministry. So what, what does this mean? If all of us are included in the work of ministry, all of our lives have been made new. So when it comes to God, God doesn't care about your ability. He cares about your availability. A friend of mine named Julie taught me about this. She was a student at the University of Georgia in Athens. She worked for the school newspaper. And she ended up doing a story about dancers in an adult dance club. Many of these women were trapped in really unhealthy situations that they couldn't get free of. And so when Julie was there, she heard God say to her, 
I love every one of these girls just as much as I love you. And she began to have a passion for these women. She began to pray for them. She was struck to the core of her heart with a passion for them, a love. And she began praying, God, use me. Even though I don't have any special skills or training, God, I'm available. Well, when she was working out in the gym, a girl from one of the the clubs was also there working out. And Julie began asking God to provide a way to have a conversation with her. As Julie prayed, the woman walked by her and walked right into a closed glass door. (laughs) The woman was shaken and she turned and looked at Julie and they both started laughing. Gave them an opportunity to fall into conversation, gave them an easy way to talk. And so they began to a friendship. They became workout partners. And eventually through Julie's ministry, this woman was set free. She got out of that industry. She found a new purpose in life. Julie was young and untrained, but she was available. God cares less about your ability He cares about your availability. God, can you use me? Are you crazy? Yes. Yes, I am. It's amazing what we can accomplish if we give God our availability. When I first moved to Atlanta, I lived in Decatur and worked in Midtown. And as a spiritual practice, at least once a week, I would drive down Auburn Avenue past Ebenezer Baptist Church. It was amazing. It was just this little church that was the home base of Dr. Martin Luther King's ministry. People are always surprised whenever I take them to it. What, how a small church could launch a revolution. As I drove by, I remembered Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail. He wrote it while in jail. Friends helped smuggle it out on napkins. It was a response to politicians and many pastors who said he was moving too fast. His goals were too big. His dreams were unrealistic. He was being called an extremist. He began to be worried about being considered an extremist. But he was comforted as he thought about those stories in the Bible. He asked, wasn't the prophet Amos, wasn't he an extremist? Wasn't the apostle Paul, wasn't he an extremist? He says, do you remember that hill on Golgotha? There were three extremists who were crucified, but two of those were extremists for injustice and hate. The other was an extremist for justice and love. The question he said is, what kind of extremist will you be? Are you crazy, Martin? Yes, a little bit. In these last days, we are all invited into that crazy ministry. God doesn't ask for your ability. He asks for your availability. In this crazy time, how is God calling you to serve in crazy ministry? Jeff, you're going to preach from your backyard? Are you crazy? Yes, a little bit. Wait, you're going to do a social distancing vacation Bible school as a choose-your-own-adventure? You must be crazy. Yes, a little bit. You're going to deliver food to the food insecure in your neighborhood who you've never even met before? We've never done that before. You must be crazy. Are you crazy? Yes, a little bit. You're telling me you're going to do Bible studies on Zoom? You've got to be crazy. Yes, we're a little bit crazy. Friends, live your life in such a way that the Holy Spirit transforms you for crazy ministry. Live your life in such a way that people are forced to ask you, how can you love that person? How can you show such generosity and grace? Are you crazy? And we can answer with the words of the Apostle Peter. Oh, we're not drunk. 
We are following our Savior, Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. In a world where people feel such meaninglessness and hopelessness and lovelessness, let us be people of purpose, a people of hope, a people of love. People will say, Peter, Peter you've got to be drunk. Dr. King, you've lost your mind. Church, you've got to be crazy. No, I'm not drunk. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that worked the miracles in the backwoods of Palestine. The same Spirit that walked that road till Golgotha. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is in you and is in me. God wants to use us. Are we crazy? A little bit. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the transforming power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that it might change our lives for the better, might make us a little crazy, crazy for love, extremists for grace and compassion. Lord, that you might give us wisdom during this time. Lord, that we might still be your family of faith here at Roswell Presbyterian Church as we are united in your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. So much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.